This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Gregory Whitaker and is part two of Seeing the World with Jesus' Eyes. It's really good to see you all. Uh, my name is Gregory. Uh, some of you know me, some of you don't. Uh, I'm a missionary in Cambodia sent out by Church of the Resurrection uh, now about three and a half years ago. And my wife and I and uh, four daughters, we left with three daughters, we came back with four. Um, We had one since then. Um, We're really happy to be back with you all. And as I told uh, 9 o'clock service, I would love to be able to go out with each and every one of you for coffee. And I don't have the time to do that, but I would love to because there's so many awesome and amazing stories of what the Lord has been doing here um, in my absence. So maybe that's why, and I was kidding. Uh, But it's just amazing all the different stories of how people are coming to know Jesus, people who are in faith, growing in the faith, people who are growing in the faith, reaching out to others and bringing the faith to others. I'm just so encouraged by that. And it's just good to be back in our stateside uh, home church. I have two home churches, one here and one in Cambodia. But this still is uh, the mother. This is still the mom. And uh, one of the questions that people often ask me about the work in Cambodia is uh, how best can you describe the gospel to Cambodians? How do you describe, uh, explain the gospel to Cambodians? What's the best way? And it's a good question because the majority of Cambodians are animist with Buddhism uh, mixed in. And uh, so, for example, two friends of mine in Cambodia who are getting married, uh, in the middle of the wedding ceremony, the sister of the bride began to go into this trance-like state. And in that state, her voice became like her deceased father's. And so the father of the bride of this sister uh, had died some time ago, and then all of a sudden, the spirit of the father uh, supposedly is coming through through this uh, this sister of the bride and she begins to moan and groan and wail and she begins to say don't you love me why won't you feed me why won't you come and worship why won't you come and give me food I'm so so hungry and so they have to stop the wedding ceremony and then they go into this other place where they set up a small shrine to the father with a picture and flowers and then they burn some incense to the father uh, spirit of the father and then they offer some flowers and some fruit so that the spirit of the father can come and eat the essence of that fruit and smell the essence of that incense and uh, these this is not an uncommon thing that's not an odd weird thing that happened like a one-off thing this is just a normal regular day in life in Cambodia Because like most Cambodians, uh, this family believes that their lives are heavily influenced uh, by spirits, spirits of relatives that have died or of others significant in your life that have died, spirits of places like uh, whole regions or forests or bodies of water, villages and so forth. And there are many, many spirits that can influence influence your life. So what you have to do is you have to be really careful not to offend any spirits, and you have to be really intentional about keeping all the spirits happy, doing everything you can do to keep them, keep them calm down. So if you have bad luck or if you have something bad happening in your life, then it's probably because you offended uh, some spirit. And so then you have to go and make the sacrifice, like I just described, to calm them down, to settle them down. Or you might be doing just fine in life, everything's going well, going good, 
but you have something really big coming up. You're wanting to ask someone to marry you, or you're going to get married and you want the marriage to go well. You have a business plan in place that you're hoping succeeds, or you have a big exam coming up for the students. And uh, so what you have to do then is also go and offer these sacrifices because you want the spirits on your side. You want to make sure the spirits are all happy before you do this big thing. And uh, there's a very big uh, shrine in the center of Phnom Penh where these four massive rivers uh, come together. I took Bishop Stewart and Pastor Matt Woodley, Bishop Stewart's daughter Madeline, I took them to this area. And uh, there's a big tall pole with a flag on it. And supposedly at that air, in that area are six or maybe seven massive regional spirits. The biggest, most powerful spirits in all of Cambodia uh, reside there. So you can go and there's different options for how you can make a sacrifice to these spirits to try to get them on your side. Many Cambodians will come there because first they've been to a medium, a clairvoyant, a fortune teller, and they tell them, go to that place called Priang Dongkar, which just means spirits of the flagpole. And you go to spirits of the flagpole and then you make your sacrifice. So there's all these uh, cages with birds in them called merit birds. You can buy a merit bird and release it from its cage. And that will really draw the power of the spirits towards you because you're doing something to alleviate suffering, kind of a symbol of alleviating suffering uh, for humanity. And so all that to say this, I mean, when that's your understanding of God, there's no real personal God, but God is just this whole group of spirits that you have to try to manage just this world of spirits, you have to make sure you don't offend and make sure they're happy all the time, then uh, what's the best way to explain the gospel to them? What's the starting point for that? And uh, surprisingly, um, it's not as complex as it might sound. So for me, by listening to Cambodian pastors, I've learned that the starting point is the simple but profound story that God has given to the church from the very beginning. That God is seeking after us, and He's seeking after us through His people, the church. God is coming after us and seeking after us, and He's doing that primarily through His people, the church. So these Cambodian pastors that I respect then, they say, we don't argue with our people about their spiritual views. We don't try to start where they are and help them reason through what they believe and what they think. And in fact, a lot of what they believe, there's a lot of truth to it in the sense that there really are, according to the Scriptures, spirits that want to influence our lives, spirits that want to control us, spirits that speak things into us. We might not even be aware of it half the time, but uh, the Scriptures call Satan, which Satan means adversary, and he's constantly speaking lies. He's the father of lies. So there's all these uh, spirits that are out there that the Bible affirms and a biblical worldview affirms, but they don't start with any of that. Instead, they start with the deepest hunger of the heart. Whether people are aware of that hunger or not, they start with the deepest, deepest hunger of the heart. They tell people that there's a God, a one true God, who lives above all the spiritual world. He's higher than any of these evil spirits. He's higher than any of these spirits that we might have to try to manage. He's higher than all that. But that that God is a loving Father whose children got lost in the world, and He comes down to seek after them. He comes down to search the whole world for His lost 
sons and daughters. He's out looking for them. And so from the Scriptures, we can see that these pastors, they've embraced, they've tapped into and held on to a very significant truth that no matter how blind our eyes might be in seeing the one true God for who He truly is, no matter how spiritually confused we might be, there is still written in our hearts, deep within us, that memory of the one true God that is actively seeking us actively coming after us. There's still something in all of us where we want to be found again by that Father God. Even though that hunger, it might be buried by layers and layers of sin, it might be buried by all the effects of the fall, still that desire to be found, that memory of God is still in the soul. So as I said, I have four daughters. My youngest is uh, two years old, name's Ivy, and uh, Ivy, like many children that age, love, loves to play hide-and-seek, but the favorite part of the game is the being found part. So many of you, who if you had children, if you babysit, you've seen this. Uh, she sits in the middle of the living room. She puts a blanket over her head. Supposedly, I can't find her. I can't see her, right? And uh, then I go around, where's Ivy? Are you under that chair? Nope. Where's Ivy? Are you in the cupboard? Nope. And then I go over to where she is, I throw off the blanket and say, there you are, Ivy, I found you. And she, her laugh is full, her smile is full. She's excited, super happy. Everything in the world at that point is right and is good. Why? Because dad found her. Dad sought after her with zeal, with excitement, with joy. Dad came after her and found her. It's that same way with our Heavenly Father. He's seeking after each and every one of us. He's coming after us. He entered into the world to live as one of us. The Word did not remain far off in heaven, but it became flesh, skin and bones and blood and dwelt among us, lived with us to find us and bring us home. As you all know, sin creates within us our fallen nature creates within us an ambivalence towards God, a yes and no to God at the same time. We want to be found by God at the same time we want to hide from God. We want to remember God and go back to that place where we used to walk with Him so closely in the garden. At the same time, we want to forget this God, not have Him bother us. We want Him, but we don't want Him. But the very core of our being, that desire to be found, that desire for God to seek after us can never go away because it's a part of being made in the image of God. It's hardwired into our very being. Each and every one of us wants to know that there is someone somewhere who loves us enough to seek after us. We want to know that there's someone who values us enough that they're going to put the time, the effort, the energy the sweat, the tears, and the blood into coming after us, being with us, walking the hard road of life with us. And that deep longing in the heart at its very core is the longing to be found by God. And so what I've learned from these Cambodian pastors and listening to them, how they explain the gospel, is that we don't have to know how to navigate all the complex understandings people have of spiritual things. 
whether you're in Cambodia or you're in France or in the USA, Saudi Arabia, wherever you may be, you don't have to have a doctorate in understanding all these things in order to bring the gospel out, in order to let that word come out. Now, it's important that we study those things. I don't want to trivialize that. In fact, I read the people who write the books who spend their whole life studying these things, spiritual understandings of other peoples. But you don't have to have a doctrine in it. You can be completely even almost innocent of all that, and, and at the end of the day, still the Lord can come through you and work through you to bring the gospel. Because the church has been given a trust. Jesus himself has placed within the church a trust in the simple power of the gospel. The gospel goes to the deepest part of the heart. It goes to the deepest hunger in the heart. It tells the lost sons and lost daughters that there is a powerful God who is above all things and yet comes down to where we are with skin and bone and flesh and blood and meets us where we are to bring us home we can walk closely with him. We see this in our text today in Thessalonians, the first reading that we had. Uh, on the second column, chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes to the church and he asks them for prayer. What does, pr what does Paul want prayer for? He prays that the gospel message would speed ahead, spread quickly, and be received, be honored by all. Pray for us that the word may speed ahead and be honored. And it's interesting that Paul, he doesn't ask for prayer that the word alone go out by itself. He says, pray for us that the word may speed ahead, spread quickly, be honored. So Paul's not sitting at home disengaged in his living room thinking of the gospel word going out on its own in some disembodied way, some mystical way, some wispy way. Yes, God is not confined to working through the church, but it's his preference, his primary preference, and the primary way that he wants to do it. When Paul is praying, asking to pray for that, he's thinking of praying for ourselves. He's asking God, come and do a work in us. Do whatever it takes in us that the word of God may come out through our lives. We're praying, when we pray this prayer with Paul, we're praying that through all of our personalities, our different vocations, our creative outlets, that through all the places where we run errands, where we drink coffee, through all the places where we do our day-in and day-out living, through the totality of our lives, we're asking God, Lord, I want to offer this up to you, all of it, to be an avenue, a place, a way for your word to come out to others, the word that you are seeking and saving the lost, that you're looking for your lost sons and daughters. Paul says, pray for us that the word may spread quickly, speed ahead, be honored. And this is challenging for all of us. It was challenging for me. Two years into being into Cambodia, I had only still Christian friends. Cambodians, but still all Christian friends. And so I get that this is a challenge. It's hard. But I began to have this kind of, um, I guess, holy dissatisfaction. I just wasn't happy that I didn't have deeper non-Christian friends. And I think that was not Gregory's righteousness. It was the Holy Spirit working in my heart, birthing that prayer in me. 
And I began to pray, Lord, uh, I'm not happy just having only uh, Christian friends. I want to be intentional about that. Can you show me how? How am I going to do that? Uh, you know, I've read all the books. I've studied all the missiology strategies. But at the end of the day, I mean, you have to lead me. You have to guide me. And so it wasn't within even a couple of weeks of praying that, that all of a sudden the coffee shop that I had worked in and studied in and visited like a billion times and hadn't really gone that far in relationship with anyone who worked there, all of a sudden I'm friends within a few months with the entire staff and the management. And they're texting me on Facebook deeper things about their lives and asking me questions and bringing their problems to me. Uh, so I just call it pastoral evangelism, right? Just give them good advice by ancient sages from long ago. Don't tell them quite yet. It's from the Bible. And uh, sneak it in. And, uh, and then they start opening up and asking me questions about spiritual things. And, hey, you're a white man from America. Tell me about Christianity. So they're opening up, doing what I, no, no way in the world I could do. But it started with, started with that prayer, started with the Holy Spirit convicting me and working in my heart and saying, uh, I want to pray this prayer through you of being sent out, of going beyond just Christian friends. And I think we're all in need to be like Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul knew that he needed this prayer. The Apostle Paul himself knew he needed this prayer. And we need this prayer too, that God would do a work in our lives so that we would not be comfortable just within Christian friendships and Christian circles, but that we would go with Jesus and seek out the lost sons and daughters, befriend them, draw near to them, love them. So we pick up Paul's prayer. We pick it up and we own it for ourselves. Pray for us that our hearts would be softened towards those who live every single day without any hope, without any knowledge that there is a personal God who loves them and cares about them. Pray for us that we would not keep the Word so enclosed within the life of the church. Pray for us that we would do that crazy hard thing of being intentional and building relationships with men and women, boys and girls, and friends who do not think like us don't act like us. They don't talk like us. It's uncomfortable for us to even be around them sometimes. Pray for us that we would do the hard thing and love them, befriend, befriend them. Pray for us that we would allow that great love of the Father rise up within us to overcome those fears that we have, to overcome that spiritual sloth, that spiritual laziness that we so easily fall into. Pray for us that the Word may spread quickly speed ahead, be received, and be honored by all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.